0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk.
1: Here's your host, Jason Davis.
0: Good morning everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. Where to go the day after the United States Women's National Team took care of business in the round of 16 at the World Cup in uh, Canada. They took care of business. They beat Colombia 2-0. Was it impressive? Eh, maybe not. Was it comprehensive? No, not really, but uh, but in the end, they come out on top. They move on to the quarterfinals, where they'll have a showdown with China, China, the team that the United States women beat in the 1999 Women's World Cup final in front of that gigantic crowd at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, so that'll be fun. We'll talk about the U.S. women today. Jeff Kasouf from NBC Sports joins us in just a couple minutes. Jeff is covering that tournament. He'll give us his insight into that performance by the U.S. women, what it will take to beat China. And remember, there's a couple of wrinkles here. With that victory over Colombia comes a couple of complications now that Jill Ellis has to deal with. So before we get to Jeff, before we take your phone calls later in the show, go ahead and get ready for that. Get yourself uh, lined up. Maybe make some notes, a couple of talking points. Happy to have you guys call us, uh, call us up at the end of the show. But before we get to Jeff Kasuf, let's do some news. We'll start up in Canada with the U.S. women beating Columbia 2-0. The goal is from Alex Morgan and Carly Lloyd. Good to see Alex Morgan back on the score sheet for the first time in forever based on her injury problems. She was, uh, she was a starter in that match. Looked very uh, very vibrant, very spry. Ends up getting the first American goal. A goal that came immediately after Abby Wombach had missed a penalty kick. And Abby Wombeck took that penalty with her left foot, which was a thing on Twitter. When asked about it, she indicated that she just decided to change. Been doing it for the last couple of months because she had always taken them right footed. And what? She didn't want to telegraph her kicks or give a book to the uh, opposing goalkeepers? Uh, Yeah, no. This is also a situation in which Columbia's starting goalkeeper had been sent off with a red card for the foul that led to the penalty, the foul on Alex Morgan. So I very seriously doubt it would have been much of an issue. You had a third-string goalkeeper in net for Columbia. All you have to do, put it on frame somewhere uh, somewhere inside the post. Don't think about it too much. And she did. She opened up, and she missed. Luckily, the United States got, again, got those two goals. Carly Lloyd actually took a a penalty uh, to give the United States that second goal. Clearly, Abby Wambach was not uh, going to take that second one after the first miss. The reviews on that performance, the attack lacking, cohesion lacking, midfield lacking, defense solid again, and that seems to be the strength of this U.S. team. If they're going to win a World Cup, they're going to have to ride that back line all the way to the World Cup final. Also in yesterday's action, England beat Norway 2-1. All those goals coming in the second half, so England comes back from a one-goal deficit to beat Norway and progress in the tournament. Your round of 16 is nearly filled out. As I mentioned, China and the United States on June 26th. That's Friday. By the way, I will be on Rabble.tv at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time talking about USA China, so join me there, Rabble.tv. Uh, Germany-France that same night, which is the game that will determine whether or not... I'm sorry, that will determine the if the United States gets past China. and Certainly, that's no easy task. And I failed to mention that uh, both Megan Rapino and Lauren Holiday received their second yellows of the tournament in that game against Colombia and now will miss the China match. So Jill Ellis has to juggle those issues. We'll talk to Jeff about that. Germany and France in the other quarterfinal on that side of the bracket, so the winner of that match in the United States and China will play in the semis in Montreal on the 30th. On the other side of the bracket in total, Australia will play the winner of Japan and Netherlands, a game that that happens today, and England and Canada will play in the other quarterfinal with a semifinal berth on the line. So the Women's World Cup getting down to the nitty-gritty, down to the... Uh, down to when it all matters or counts or whatever. Now it's for real or something. Is the hashtag out there? That's what I've been seeing. Down in uh, South America, uh, Copa America continues. A couple of interesting stories out of that tournament. As uh, as we get ready to progress with the 2015 Copa America, we covered this in depth with Jack, Jack Lang on Jack Lang on yesterday's show. A good chat. If you missed that, go back and listen to the podcast version. Of the web show at worldsoccertalk.com. But uh, a couple of stories out of Chile. Number one, Chilean authorities have declared an environmental emergency in Santiago, Chile. This is due to smog that sits over the city. There's mountains surrounding Santiago that's holding in this pollution. It's very possible that this could impact the, the tournament. Although... Uh, the emergency order had no immediate effect on preparations for Wednesday's Copa America soccer match between Chile and Uruguay. Chile, Chile's t- team trained on Monday, as did Colombia, which is due to play on Friday. But Santiago Regional Governor Claudio Orega refused to rule out extending the emergency to Tuesday or Wednesday if conditions do not improve. That uh, time that we see on television, we are talking about it. We're 100% involved in soccer Said Uruguay captain Diego Godin, saying, "Basically, we don't know what's going on with the pollution. We're just focused on our team, but this could have an issue on, uh, uh, could have an impact on the games in South America." The other element of this, uh, this, this tournament that came out, the other story that came out yesterday, is that CONMEBOL does not have sufficient funds to cover the ten million dollars in prize money for this year's Copa America winners, according to a report in Uruguay. Commenable reportedly finds itself in a difficult and compromising dilemma given the corruption scandal that revolves around FIFA. The report alleges Commenable cannot pay the $10 million that it will owe to the top four placing teams. The champions get four million million, second, third, and fourth place teams get 3 2 and $1 million, respectively. With all that has happened with Commenable, there's not enough for one book, there's not enough for 20 books, it's frightening. said Wilmer Valdez, 20 books on the corruption scandal. This was the president of the Uruguayan Football Association, vice president of CONMEBOL, who was quoted in this story. So, uh not good for uh, for Copa America winners. You are not going to get paid. And I have um I have a story here I might get to later on in the show. As to how to improve Copa America. This is from Tim Standard, La Liga Loca, who's advocating for a tighter, smaller more compact Copa America, which I could certainly see the value of. Let's take a break. When we come back, Jeff Kasuf, NBC Sports, going to review that U.S. win over Colombia look ahead to that game against China. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com slash soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer. This Friday, the USA faces China in the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup, and I'd like to invite you to join me for a very special audio broadcast that I'll be hosting on Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on television, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. You can join in by posting your questions or observations in the comment section. Plus, I'll be talking you through the game as we watch the U.S. play China in a repeat of that epic 1999 Women's World Cup final. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble.tv app today and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app on Friday. Does the USA have what it takes to make it to the semifinals of the Women's World Cup? Find out this Friday, June 26th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern, and cheer on the red, white, and blue with me on Rabble.tv. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning talking about the U.S. women's national team's win over Columbia 2-0 with Jeff Kassou from NBC Sports. He is in Edmonton, about to fly out of Edmonton, as a matter of fact. We've, uh, I don't think we've woken him up because I think he's leaving soon, but he's certainly, uh, <laughs> certainly a busy man. Jeff, we appreciate the time. How are you, sir? Yeah,
2: I'm. I'm
0: good. How are you? I, I'm well. Now, I imagine you had a, a, a kind of a late night uh, processing that, writing up uh, that game, and covering uh, all of the ins and outs of the U.S. performance over Colombia to nothing. Again, what we're taking out of this match um, mostly, and it seems to be across the board, uh, whether you're reading, uh, you know, soccer sites or general sports coverage or, or whatever, is that the United States is c- continuing to uh underperform and yet here we are with uh, a, a a team moving on to the quarterfinals.
2: Yeah, you mentioned processing it. I mean, it, it took a bit to process post-game sort of um I think that you know everybody every neutral every objective folk um you know sat there and said kind of what is this? Um you know that first half was was not good. I think the players acknowledged that, but um you know for me my, I mean my takeaway was and I think a few of us that, that were there, um, you know, in that sort of mix zone and that sort of taking it in was, um, players still talking about, you know, they haven't peaked yet. Um, they're still reaching their peak and they're still coming in the form. And, and the question sort of came from that was, well, when does that come? Because right. you're talking about a quarterfinal of a World Cup now. And, you know, they, they are at least outwardly confident that, that it will come, um, that, that they're still, Finding their form and that they're still going to reach their peak. That they have improved. Um, I think that the Nigeria game, you know, the one prior to this, did show a good deal of improvement, even if the score didn't necessarily reflect it. Uh, but this Colombia game, round of 16, um, first half, I-, I thought was was not great at all. Um, second half, a bit better. But you know, I mean, I I came away from that game wondering if that stays 11 v 11. I have to wonder if what the result was or would be or or you know even if that has to go in extra time or or even worse for the u s because I think that Colombia was disciplined, they were smart um you know very similar to to how they played France and that they were patient um, both defensively and in the counterattack. they took their moments um, nothing outwardly dangerous, but mm-hmm. um, I think you could almost say the same for the u s aside from a couple of big saves.
0: Uh, yeah, and you had, um, you know, obviously, the first half, as you mentioned, not, not the greatest. Um, Alex Morgan starting again for the second consecutive match. They definitely need her to be at the top of her game to, to, to even threaten uh, opposing defenses and, and create something. She ended up doing that eventually, uh, winning, the, uh, winning the penalty and then scoring the goal of her own, a goal of her own. How, how did you assess her, her play and how important is she moving forward?
2: Well, I mean, I think her importance remains, you know, what it was. I, I think that she's essential to the team winning the World Cup. Uh, I mean, I wrote that, you know, before the tournament, I think it still remains true. Um, you know, she's still sort of fully finding her form as well. I think, um, you look at, you know, back to back starts here, as you mentioned, Nigeria and now, um, against Colombia, you know, getting uh, we talked to her it and was, it was funny, we waited, um, she was one of the randomly selected players. So it was about an hour and a half later, um, and we talked to her and, and there was just a sense of relief, um, that she scored. So, um, you know, I think that there's a bit of a monkey off her back in that sense. It's been, it was prior to that, it was almost, or it was over three months, mm-hmm. um, back in the Algarve Cup. So, um, you know, if she can get going, I think that that's certainly one of the answers because obviously it's been talked about plenty that, you know the goal scoring hasn't quite been there um and and now you look at you know some of the magic moments uh, they keep getting referred to or, or a lot of them really have come from Megan Rapinoe who's now suspended mm-hmm. so you know you take Rapinoe out of this quarter final for the US who's really been sort of that spark uh, i mean i think that she's done you know not only just the goal scoring you look at that australia game in particular but some of the subtle things where um, she can earn fouls. Um, I wrote that last game, and you look, she she earned that PK, the second PK, the uh, one that got finished. Um, you know, I think she's going to be sorely missed, Megan Urbino. Uh,
0: you know, I want to come to that, but before we do that, let's talk about the most divisive figure, at least for fans in this team, and, and oddly enough, it's not Ho Solo anymore. It's, it's Abby Wambach, who's... Uh, a position as a starter is up for question, and and obviously she has incredible influence over this team. She's a, she's a legend, but it hasn't gone that well. I mean, she scores against Nigeria, all well and good in this particular game. I'm not sure about her effectiveness, and she misses the penalty. Jeff, um, when we when we get to Friday, we're likely to see her up top again. Uh Friday I mean I can't see her starting again just based
2: on minutes and and sort of how they've said they're going to manage her I I think Wambox played more than um you know certainly if, if you look at how Jill Ellis and her staff said that you know they would manage her coming into it which was always sort of a to be determined but you know in a in a sort of a rotating role um you know you look at her starting three out of four games so far I can't see her from a minute's perspective doing so. And if she does, um, you know, I mean, maybe it's a case where it's sort of predetermined that she's, she's off in 60 minutes or so. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Abby Wombach, the, the competitor, um, I'm sure is, is probably in there saying, Hey, you know, I can go. I'm good. Um, and she very well could be. I mean, Ellis said this week, actually, or sometime in this past week that, um, Wambach's form is, 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 her fitness is peaking. Um, so, you know, I, I, don't know. I, I think it'd be surprising to see her start on Friday, but, you know, that I'm talking about that from a fitness perspective. And and you look at it from Wambach, the competitor who we know, um, I'm sure is, is raring to go. Um, so I don't know. You know, I, I think that that Nigeria game, um, I, I actually thought that she was spectacular on the ball. Uh, with it at her feet, um, checking back into the midfield, holding up the play and creating a bit for them, uh, which is not what she's known for at all, obviously, but I thought she was very good there. Um, against Columbia, not, to, you know, not as much. I think that the team in general really had a good deal of trouble getting going against Columbia in that first half. And then, like I said, I mean, you know, three minutes into the half, um, you know, really a game changer with the red card.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, so uh, Wambach, uh, as you said, perhaps uh, not a starter against China because of uh, fatigue in the minutes he's logged, but they also, a- a- as you've identified, they're going to be missing Megan Rapinoe, uh, Lauren Holiday because of, of yellow card accumulation. Uh, the The big one, I mean, both important players, Jeff, but I think a lot of people see Rapinoe as being more important, if only because you expect the Chinese to to pack in to sit back, to to require the United States to break them down, and if you don't have Megan Rapinoe, who does that job?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that that'll put some pressure on Tobin Heath for sure. Um, you know, Carly Lloyd will take on some of that. Morgan Bryan's going to be thrown into a huge situation here now, um, you know, replacing Warren Holiday for at least a day. Um, so I think that it's going to put a lot of pressure on a midfield that that is very much underperformed for the most part, um, you know, especially outside of Rapino, which sort of, again, puts that emphasis on, on her absence. Um, so, you know, you're looking at Brian Lloyd, um, and you, you're probably, you know, it's probably Kristen press that, that steps in, in the absence of Rapino. So, um, you know, I, I think the two coming in who it, it sounds like just sort of from last night, what was said by, by Jill Ellis and, um, you know, some others that, you know, Brian for sure, and then probably Press. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to create. Uh, I mean, I think Press is, you know, somebody who who has the potential to be, you know, one of the best, if not the best, players on this team, but hasn't shown it at this World Cup uh, at all yet. So, you know, we'll see against China, where I think that if you're a fan tuning in, the fact is this could be another ugly one against China in, in the sense that uh, a very defensively disciplined team is China um u s obviously through four games in this tournament has pretty much been riding their back line to success um, and not necessarily creating in the ways that they want to so uh, I think that this one could be a bit of a war of attrition in, in terms of just two defensive teams that um uh, maybe one you know one game changing moment that that'll decide it
0: you know uh, Jeff, the expectations for this team are very high and that creates this sort of negative vibe even around a win like this uh or around the Nigeria win or around the Australia win over the it, it doesn't matter because they're expected to be better than this certainly in terms of their style uh, and and the the uh entertainment value of the soccer people are quick to uh t- Quick to criticize and for for good reasons, and certainly you can imagine that when they, they go up against, if they can get past China, that's not a given. But if they get past China, they're going to play be facing either France or Germany, and that's going to be the stiffest test of the tournament by a by by a wide margin. And they may not have uh, they may not have the quality to to beat one of those teams, uh, one of those favorites. Uh, and yet there's there are some things that we should kind of crow about here, or at least highlight in terms of the positive um aspects of it and that that is the back line that is the defensive um strength of the team which didn't allow columbia anything yesterday
2: no they didn't uh you know i think uh, i wrote i was writing i, I kind of compared this squad to italy 2006 a little bit of uh you know similar sort of getting out of the group of death um very defensive kind of borrow you know kind of a sour run comparison maybe um it's, it, it's been the defense for sure, as you mentioned. And, um, you know, that's been the saving grace, um, many times during the group stage. Um, I, I, think that maybe a little bit less so, uh, against Columbia, just in terms of, of, I don't, I don't think that, you know, I thought Columbia was decent and patient, uh, but their first shot on goal was in the 84th minute. So, you know, in terms of dangerous opportunities, there really wasn't a whole lot from them. Um, and you know, I guess that, that's also credit to the back line. I thought that they were a little bit off collectively last night, especially in distribution. There were some stray passes from, um, you know, Becky Sauerbrunn and, and Julie Johnson have been the two best players in this tournament for the U.S. Um, you know, Megan Rapino up there as well. Um, I, I thought Johnson and Sauerbrun were, were a bit off in distribution, but you know, again, like you said, they, they clamped down. Um, no real opportunities for Columbia, but you know, that, that, Back to that sort of vibe and attitude that you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, I think it was first question, you know, in the press conference. Um, and it's, you know, there were many that followed. Um, it was sort of to, to Jill of, you know, hey, are you, are you happy with how this team is playing? Obviously happy to advance. And, and, um, you know, she's a bit defensive about it, but you know, she's just, it's a, it's a world cup and you're here to advance. And that's what they did. So, um, you know, There's always going to be those questions, and I think that those questions remain because, as you said, you know, this France-Germany quarterfinal, the way it stands now and on form of those two teams, and, you know, again, not jumping to too many conclusions the way things are going, but, um, you know, if it's the U.S. against one of them, um, I I think either of those teams has to be significantly favored the way the form's going right now.
0: Let me come back to the yellow cards again. Uh, Rapino and Holiday, both of them getting their second. First of all, this is a ridiculous rule, and FIFA needs to address it, but that uh, that's for another yeah. time, perhaps, yeah. Jeff. Um, when asked about the yellow cards uh, after the match, Abby Wombeck says, I don't know if they, if they were yellows. It seemed like the referee was purposely giving those yellows to maybe players she knew were sitting on yellows. I don't know if that's a psychological thing. Who knows? Uh, there is some chatter that this is going to get her in trouble. Uh, do you have any sense of that? No, I didn't get any
2: chatter that, that
0: this is going to get her in
2: trouble, and and it's actually one of those things that's um, come up a couple of times. I would say, um, and not the refs, if, if I can explain it. I guess um, you know the the context of it has you know this sort of um, the turf comments as well. Um You know, look, did she say these things absolutely um standing there in the moment though, I have to say whether it 's the turf um whether it was last night with the ref, you know standing there in the moment in person, hearing the words said and and again, these are you know the print area is separate from the t v area, so there is no video or anything like that of these things um the context you know i I think is interpreted you know differently person to person um because a couple of us came out of that and and everybody came out of it saying this is ridiculous. Right. But a couple of us came out of it, uh, uh, more than a couple of us thinking it it was kind of a, you know, thinking out loud moment rather than a blaming moment. Um, and and I think that Mm. when it's just the words in print that, you know, it's, um, it it can read a bit differently. I'm not defending her at all. I mean, you know, it's, it's a bit crazy. And, and the turf thing is obviously, you know, score more goals on grass. uh, I I mean, you know, that, that's sort of a a tired argument at this point, but it's another one of those moments that, you know, I think if you're there, you kind of come out of it as, was that ridiculous? Sure. Was, was that sort of the main takeaway of what she said? No, not at all. So um, I I didn't get any sense that she would get in trouble though. Um, You know, I'm not sure.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Um, Jeff, I, I don't know what kind of bubble the team exists in. I imagine you're aware of, <laughs> the, of the comments of Michelle Akers on, on uh, SiriusXM uh-huh. uh, last night. She said, we don't have all our pieces together. We aren't performing at our best. Some of our coaching decisions are unexplainable. If uh, she, meaning Jill Ellis, is pleased with the way we played, then what the hell is she doing coaching our U.S. team? I would expect, ex- expect more out of my team if I want them to be world champions. Now, Obviously, Michelle Akers has a platform for this because she's one of the greatest women players of all time and, and a member of world championship teams. But I don't know that this is something the team should be paying attention to. Uh, you, would you expect this to, to trickle into camp? And how really, how aware are they of what's going on around the media-wise? Uh,
2: yeah, I think it would probably make its way. If it, I would say it probably has already, if I had to guess. Um, you know, I think that, they they, t- they have talked about a bubble quite a bit. Um, I think we've sort of come to learn that uh, it certainly varies player to player. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think for them it, it's trying to create a bubble, uh, as they call it. I think it's trying to stay away from everything. But, you know, er- everything that has come up, um, you know, I, I mean, back to Abby, I mean, the way – she sort of put it to us is that she reads everything and she loves it. She loves the chatter, even if it's sometimes negative or if it sometimes has a go at her that, you know, she, she likes that people are talking about women's soccer. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think that there are plenty of others who um probably also, you know, are, are aware of, you know, what's out there and what's being said. Um And, you know, I think that, look, it's a, it's the digital age, right? I mean, you see players tweeting and, and and other things um you know you I, I guess you could theoretically log on to twitter send out a tweet and and not look at anything but um <laughs> yeah. you know i don't think that that's happening obviously so um you know i i'm sure that these comments have probably already made their way back to to most if not all of them and, and you know it'll be a matter of how you process it um some some will be uh some will not care some might find it Motivational. I mean, I don't know how Jill would take it, um, but you know, it, it it varies. But yeah, they're they're certainly um, they're not in a closed off world. But, okay. You know.
0: And, and as for Michelle's comments specifically, I mean, I don't know that anybody thinks there's there's a lot wrong with those comments, except for perhaps a little, maybe a little harsh on Jill Ellis, considering that she won the group and she's got them into the quarterfinals. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think probably strongly put, um, as you sort of alluded to, maybe Michelle Akers has uh, a little bit, you know, longer of a leash to put something strongly than, you know, you or I or somebody else. Um, so yeah, I I think a bit harsh, but you know, the, the root of it being that, Hey, this isn't, you know, pretty or good enough. I, I think that that's just, um, the more direct version of what a lot of people, including players are saying um, that, that, Hey, it's not good enough. So, um, you know, we'll see if, if anything changes, uh, I know that, you know, um, you know, back to the bubble stuff, I think some of the criticisms that were out there certainly made their way through the bubble to some extent from, from what I understand from some outsiders um, or, or at least connected to them. Um, so, you know, uh, we're yet to see really a, a huge response to it, right? I mean, we thought mm-hmm. that's the thing that, you know, back to the point of when do you peak? I mean, it's the quarterfinals. Um, Australia was a flat start, and then they turned it around. Sweden was probably, you know, fairly flat throughout the match. Nigeria was this match where everybody looked and said, all right, Nigeria's terrible on set pieces. the goalkeeper's been off. Defensively, they're not that great. This could be the game that they get going. Uh, and they kind of eked out a 1-0 result against a 10-man team. And then again, you're looking at a 10-man team against Colombia where um 11 versus 11 for the 47 minutes or so that we saw that was not very pretty. So they're yet to hit this peak in this form. And, and again, you know, might be able to get away with that again against China. We'll see. But I just don't see that being good enough against France or Germany,
0: yeah certainly um so uh, one one task before they even need to before they need to worry about France or Germany that's <laughs> against China and the last thing I'll ask you jeff and and I'm you know I'm sort of a big picture guy, I like asking questions that go beyond just what's happened on the field and I think we've we've sort of broken that down uh, pretty in depth here. the element of Akers making her comments um. In, in sort of a different context, and you obviously have Julie Foudy, and you have uh, um, uh, you have Heather Mitts, and you have all of these former players who are now analysts. It's the way things go. We we take our our ex players, we put them in suits and 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 dress them up and put them on television, and they give us their their right. thoughts. There, there's been some allegations, and certainly when the tournament started and all of the Hope Solo stuff was blowing up, there's some thoughts that you know this is the this is the still still a small U.S. soccer club, and they were deferring and and trying to wash away uh the allegations on 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 solo maybe for their own maybe for fox reasons and ratings reasons but also probably because hey we all know each other we're all friends is there is there something to be said for harsher criticism coming from figures like like acres and fowdy admits etc because it will push them forward or is that just uh you know do you do you not see anything um anything else there than than what's uh, what's on the surface
2: uh, I, I mean, you know, I think that a message like that from Acres probably uh, or certainly delivers, you know, more of a punch than, you know, I guess if you or I were to say something like that, right? right? right. Uh, just from her pedigree. Um, I haven't, I honestly, we've been sort of living off TSN coverage up here just because that, that's what we get. So I can't 100% speak to sort of what's been on uh, in the U.S. even, to be honest. Um sure. But, I mean, in general, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, those, those are messages that are, are, whether they're good, bad, indifferent, they're, they're heard a little bit more loud and clear, um, from a, from a player, you know, I mean, co-player of the century, if we're talking about Acres here and, you know, others, um, I, I think I might have seen that Chastain had some, had some stuff to say. I know Scurry's been doing a lot of media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that those messages, um are, are delivered and and you know she said you listen to the beginning of that before she had the sort of money quote if you want to call it that. Um and she said you know I look at this team and I can see that Tony De Chico does as well um and and we're frustrated because you know we see our team out there and we see ourselves and and that's what sort of we built or or however you want to put it so uh, i think that that's you know a huge element to it of uh um you know these players have, uh, you know, still a huge connection to this, this team. And obviously, um, you know, these, these initial world championships that, that are World Cup titles that haven't come since. So, um, yeah, I think it delivers a little more punch when it's Michelle Akers versus maybe, um, you know, somebody else. Uh,
0: yeah, Jeff, I know you got to run. Um, uh, just the last thing here, I, I, I saw Charlie Bohm on Twitter last night in the aftermath of this game sort of. Um, alluding to maybe some internal issues. I don't know if any of that has trickled out. I don't know if you have any sense of that at all, but would it surprise you if there was some turmoil in terms of maybe lineup selection, clearly, uh, who gets to play, who's not, uh, Abby's influence, uh, health of certain players and, and their playing time. Would it be surprising at all if there was a this wasn't the calmest U.S. camp? No, it wouldn't
2: surprise me. Um, I, I, I can't um i can't say that i've heard in terms of turmoil or anything i have like i said i heard from um sort of some attached sort of neutral parties that that you know the the bubble is is not impenetrable um in terms of hearing that criticism and maybe um adjusting or or not adjusting to it but you know taking it in and maybe processing it and um so i, I think that you know certainly the criticisms are heard um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's even more to that. I can't say that you know, I know of more to that. I wouldn't be surprised, but certainly I think that um, the bubble, so to speak, is not necessarily this airtight thing.
0: Jeff Kusuf, NBC Sports Equalizer Soccer. He's covering the Women's World Cup and joining us on Soccer Morning. Appreciate the time, Jeff. know you got to run, and we'll let you go, and uh, hopefully talk to you soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Good uh, flight. Good flight. We'll talk to Jeff uh, as the tournament continues. U.S. in the quarterfinals on Friday against China. I'll be on Rabble.tv talking about that game. Join me then. When we come back, we'll take your phone call. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand, featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com slash soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer. This Friday, the USA faces China in the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup, and I'd like to invite you to join me for a very special audio broadcast that I'll be hosting on Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on television, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. You can join in by posting your questions or observations in the comment section. Plus, I'll be talking you through the game as we watch the U.S. play China in a repeat of that epic 1999 Women's World Cup final. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble.tv app today and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app on Friday. Does the USA have what it takes to make it to the semifinals of the Women's World Cup? Find out this Friday, June 26th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern, and cheer on the red, white, and blue with me on Rabble.tv. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go back on Soccer Morning, phone lines wide open 646 832 3909. Women's World Cup, Copa America, MLS Rivalry Week. Are you feeling the 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 whatever you're supposed to feel for Rivalry Week? It starts tomorrow night, guys. It starts with uh, with TFC and, and and the Montreal Impact tomorrow night. Rivalry week is here. Now, look, I, I, I joke a little bit, but I am excited for, for rivalry games. I like rivalry games as a rule. I'm just, I don't know about this scheduling thing where we're going to put them all together in one week. Not all of them. Five games. Five games measure up to the rivalry week standard. The MLS Heineken rivalry week standard. Let me just read from you, read for you from the MLS, the MLS email sent out about what's coming up this week in MLS. MLS Heineken Rivalry Week kicks off with five fiery matchups. They're fiery, you guys. Fiery matchups. We've got again Toronto and Montreal kicking it off tomorrow night, the 401 Derby. At BMO Field. Then the Texas Derby. On, when is that? Friday? Friday night. 9 p.m. Eastern. The battle for the Capitan. Which is that big cannon thing that they trade back and forth. Depending on who wins the season series. In In the past couple of years, it's only been one game. Because FC Dallas was in the West. And Houston was in the East. Now it's three games. FC Dallas has already won one of these games for what? So now, Houston, looking to get back into the fight for El Capitan. Then you have the California Clasico, which, of all of these games, probably is the one with the most history, and I mean, soccer history, the, the deepest soccer history, the most, uh, the most intriguing soccer history. You go back and look at the history of San Jose and the Galaxy playing, and they've got some great games in their past. Remember that game two years ago? Allen Gordon scoring in like the ninety fourth minute at Stanford Stadium to lift the Quakes over the Galaxy. They scored twice in stoppage time to beat LA three two in that game. That was a great game. Should have something to that one. Then we have what do we what are we go with? The Hudson is that the Hudson River? I get my rivers confused in terms of who which one applies to what. It's the Hudson River Derby. That's right. NYCFC. New York Red Bulls, Yankee Stadium. Andrea Pirlo might, not, might or might not be there. Who knows? In front of uh, a lot of people. There's going to be 30,000 maybe? 35? 40? How many people are going to show up to Yankee Stadium for this game? They're selling a lot of tickets. People are excited. The Red Bulls already won the first game. In in At uh, Red Bull Arena, 2-1. And then you finish this off Sunday night. June 28th, Cascadia Cup Derby thing, Derby thing, between the Portland Timbers and the Seattle Sounders. I need dramatic music. I need some, like, serious, like, I don't think I have any dramatic music here in my, this is all, like, really kind of peppy stuff. I need need dramatic music to to talk about these games, because this is serious rivalry week stuff, people. Let's go to Robert in LA. Talk some Women's World Cup. What's up, Robert? Hey, good morning, Frank. How's it going? It's going well. What's up?
1: I want to ask you uh, tonight's, about tonight's match uh, Japan and Netherlands. Who are you um, uh, favoring?
0: Uh, well, no, no, Japan's the defending champions. Uh, I don't think they've been that great so far, but they're here and they know how to win. And I would take them over sort of the, uh, the new kids on the block with the Dutch.
1: Oh, you, you think they're going to do that same uh, style? Cause I've been watching them. It's like, you know, just holding the ball and like doing like, you know, very they're very t- tactical or just like
0: possession-wise. Yeah, they're uh, Japan, one of the more technical, tactical teams in, in the world on the women's side. They know how to pass the ball around the park, and if they can do that, then uh, the Dutch will never see it, and they'll find a goal or two, or they, maybe they'll take it to extra time and it should be fun. I mean, it should be a good game. I think it'll be tight.
1: Yes, yeah, be- because... Uh, well, uh, the fuck hands, they're saying they're going to do like, they're, the, the Dutch are going to try and like, you know, like tackle, kind of like what the men do and just like disrupt their flow.
0: Yes, you have to. You have to. I mean, I, look, and, and then, it, then it becomes a challenge for the referee to find that line between losing control of the game and allowing physical play and actually punishing. Appropriate fouls, and I don't know what the Dutch yellow card situation is, but let's say they're effective with that, and they they end up with two two players missing for their next round for their quarterfinal match, uh, which I think is going to be against uh, either N- England or uh, who is it? England. It'll be Australia. Oh, it'll be Australia. Okay, that's right. So um, if they if they miss out, uh, that's right, because they're they're the one quarterfinal left. So they have Australia. Uh, that that's going to be tough for them. Yeah, it's going to
1: be a very fun match, yeah, and. Can I ask you one more question? Always. All right, thank you. Uh, I was, uh, about last night's coverage, I, what was going on with his, uh, I don't know, I wasn't watching the the philosophy, I was watching the BBC at a a pub, but was there, like, Dr. Joe, like, asking, like, random questions for him? Was that going on last night?
0: Asking Dr. Joe random questions?
1: Yeah, because that was going on on my Twitter timeline. I just oh. wanted to know if
0: that was happening. No, no, people just people are uh, people are very divided on Dr. Joe. Lots of people don't like Dr. Joe. The uh, people don't like Dr. Joe's interpretation of the game sometimes, and uh, they went to him a couple of different occasions yeah, on the yellow card situations for both Rapinoe and Lloyd. Uh, for I'm sorry, Holiday, and for the the red card slash penalty situation with uh, with uh, Alex Morgan. And I, I oh, guess okay. I All guess right. I guess people just don't like Dr. Joe. I don't know, Robert. I don't know.
1: Oh, okay, I, I just didn't know what was going on. All right, that's what I want to know. Uh, thanks for taking my call, dude. Thank you, crazy.
0: Robert. Robert in uh, Los Angeles. Let's go to Jay in Jersey. What's up, Jay?
1: Good morning. Uh, are you
2: surprised there have not been any Major League Soccer manager firings so far this year? And uh, is anybody in the hot seat, you think? Because I would think Mike Pecky is just sitting there first in line for any opening that might occur.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know if Pecky's got his uh, his name out there, if he's if he's being floated as a candidate by his agent or anybody, because I, I get the sense that Pecky is the kind of guy that he was so committed to that Red Bull cause, yeah, he might need a year to decompress before he goes into a new job. Am I surprised no one's been fired yet? Nope, not at all, because this is MLS. They have the playoff safety net. You really don't. You really can't say that they are that a team is out, and is done for the year and has no hope until probably three quarters of the way through. That's just the way things are. I would think you know if you just looked at the standing and said, well, who's on the firing line? I think Pablo Masterani has to be because he's he's inexperienced. It hasn't gone well. There's more talent than he's getting. Uh, you know, there's more talent in Colorado, um, than Masterani is displaying for that team right now. I got some feedback from you, uh, Jay. I'm sorry about that. I had to let you go. But I'm not surprised at all that no one's seen the door. Colorado, i let's work from the bottom up in these two conferences. In, in the West, you got Colorado, bottom of the table, Master Renny. You know, that's a cheap club, too. I don't know that the Cronky wants to pay whatever severance Master Renny would get. You got uh, Owen Coyle at Houston. He's not going anywhere. His first year on the job. Jeff Kassar at Rail Salt Lake. There's an intriguing candidate, although, and I could imagine with, now that you have uh, Garth Lagerwey out of the picture, I could imagine Deloitte Hansen getting a little a little impatient and maybe looking for somebody to step in and save them if it doesn't get better. But they just came off a big win over Sporting. He's bought himself some time. In San Jose, Dom Kinnear, he's a legend there, and he's, uh, he's in his first year back. He's going to be fine. He's only one point off of the playoff places. Uh, then you go FC Dallas, Sporting LA, Portland, Vancouver, Seattle. None none of those uh, coaches are getting fired anytime soon. Go into the Eastern Conference. Chicago fire Frank Gallup. That's a project they handed him the keys. They asked him to re- to overhaul everything. If you if you think he has not yet seen the rewards of that, then maybe he's on the firing line. I don't think so, but he certainly would be two or three on any other list. Uh, behind Mascherano, Jim Curtin. With the way that the Philadelphia Burns two coaches, he's always got to be in the, in the conversation. Then Jason Christ not going anywhere. Jesse Marsh, hard to imagine he's going anywhere at this moment. Uh, I don't think Burhalter's in trouble. I, you, Frank Klopas uh, in Montreal, he's pulled them up into fifth place. They have games in hand on everybody in front of them. I think he's probably bought himself a lot of time as well, especially considering that Champions League run. Uh, Toronto, I don't think right now that Vandy's going anywhere. Uh, although if things turn south and they look like they're in trouble of missing the playoffs again, you could imagine him getting uh replaced because that's what Toronto does. We know Adrian Heath's not going anywhere, neither's Jay Heaps, and certainly no neither is Ben Olsen. So there you go. There's your there's your list. I mean, there there isn't a sack race the way the Brits like to say uh in MLS because MLS provides a different sort of atmosphere. Now I I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, um. If you're a coach and you have some stability, if you know it's unlikely you're going to be fired in the middle of the season, maybe that gives you the opportunity to, live, to to be a little bit more progressive with your tactics and with your team selection. I would hope so. We have a lot of conservative coaches in MLS, but we are pushing towards a future where that may not be always the case. And, and, I, and I hope that that's something that comes with the territory. I hope that we get coaches who are more adventurous with their teams. Rich on Twitter, I don't uh, I don't know who I feel more shaky about going into the weekend, the U.S. Women's National Team or the Red Bulls. He's not feeling good about this match coming up, coming up against NYCFC. Obviously a big game. Are you going out to that game, Trevor? Are you going to make it out there to see if uh, Andrea Pirlo's in a skybox? I don't know. Vince on Twitter, Klobos is interesting because when Montreal win, they look great, but when they lose, they look terrible, no middle ground. This is true. This is true. When Montreal and and they're certainly a, a much better team at home than they are on the road. Although you think over the last month or so, they have wins in Chicago. Okay, no, no real big whoop there. But they also have a win in, in Columbus, and I know Columbus is struggling a bit at the moment. But that's still a, re- a relatively impressive win for Klopas and company. But as I said, nobody nobody looks like a real candidate in, in unless you put Masstewani on that list. And and again, considering the type of club that Col- that Colorado is. It's kind of tough to imagine that they fire him mid-season, have to pay him to go away and hire somebody else. Maybe they could uh, elevate an assistant. But there's there's not a real clear candidate. I do think that Jay's got a point that Mike Pecky should be a candidate. He should be out there as a possibility for somebody. He could probably come in and do a job. But I don't know. I mean, is Mike Pecky the kind of guy... Remember how much he, he talked about loving the Red Bulls and and, being, and wanting to help that club, being an, a local to that club, having played for so long for that club. Still has the record for appearances for a, for a Metro Star Red Bulls player, I believe. Would he uproot his family to go across the country or go somewhere else for a six-month stint to try to rehabilitate a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs if you're firing a coach? Because if you have that safety, that safety net of the playoffs, you really don't you really don't call time on your season until it's really far gone. Until not only are you well behind on points, but there's so many teams in front of you. I mean, you, you almost have to be in last place to imagine a team firing a coach. And things are changing so rapidly right now. This is a very parody rich season. I mean, let's let's look at the West. First and Ninth, separated by 9 points. The Sounders on 29, the Dynamo on 20. That's the difference between 9, that, That's there's 9 teams included in that list of teams between 29 points and 20 points. And the, the Whitecaps are on 29 as well, although the, the Sounders have a game in hand. In the Easter Conference, a little bit more separation, DC United put themselves ahead, they're 6 points, or sorry, 7 points ahead of the Revolution, and your third place team is on twenty points in Orlando. It just shows to show you how strong that Western Conference is. By the way, the let's see, the everybody but DC and New England would be out of the playoff places in the Western Conference. So Orlando, Toronto, and Mon- Toronto, Orlando, Toronto, Montreal, and Columbus, who are all in the playoff place right now. With the Red Bulls and New York City FC tied on the same uh, with the same number of points as Columbus and Montreal, none of those teams will be in the playoff places in the West. Jose on Twitter: They won't fire Mascherano with the MLS All Star game coming up. That's a good point. You got the All Star game coming up at DSG. Man, I'd like to make it out for that game. Anybody want to be my benefactor? Send me to send me to Colorado. Anybody want to sponsor that trip? Heineken sponsoring rivalry week. They can sponsor me going to Colorado, right? Or maybe so, maybe their competition would like to sponsor me to go to Colorado, and then I could just talk about the great, maybe the local beer. Does New Belgium have a marketing budget for soccer? <laughs> I know this is just, that's outwardly shameful that I'm just trying, <laughs> I'm just pleading for somebody to step up and send me to the All Star game. Uh, Vince in Toronto would not be surprised to see Pecky offer the Atlanta job. That would not surprise me. I'm not sure that that's the kind of coach they'll go for. I mean, I think that it'd be smart to hire somebody with an MLS pedigree. Is it going to be Mike Pecky? Oh, man. You know who might be great for Atlanta? And this is obviously if Sacramento Republic doesn't get their expansion uh bid that they've been looking desperately for anytime soon. But maybe Preki could do a job in Atlanta. Don't you think that, that Precky that could put a team out that could win games pretty quickly in MLS? I mean if anybody if you if you if anybody could whip some charges into shape and win some games, it might be Precki. Now the the issue would not you when you start an MLS expansion team unless you already have a pre-existing coach who knows the club and knows some of the players and knows the the community and and is respected the way that Adrian Heath was you 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 run the risk of hiring somebody you don't expect to be around very long if it's somebody like Preki cuz you know things can go south pretty quickly Precky can run people the wrong way you might not get along with everybody and then you're then you're left trying to find a new coach Well, I think what most people want to do with an expansion team coach is Get somebody in who's going to run the whole project. The whole, they're going to, not not just run the project, but it's going to be invested, and they invested in him for a long stretch of time. This is why Adrian Heath, you know, Orlando commits the playoffs for the first three years. Adrian Heath's probably not going anywhere. If they show signs of improvement, if they're able to play some nice soccer, I don't think he's going anywhere. Jason Christ in New York City. Now they could, by the nature of their uh, of their money and and sort of, where they come from in terms of a footballing con, uh, context, they might get impatient with Jason Christ and let him go. But when they hired him, the, the the idea certainly was he was going to be their guy for a while. Steven on Twitter: TFC and Impact both have games in hand, and the and the points per game to a playoff team in the West. I, I understand that. I'm just putting. I, I know pointing to to points is not the best the me, best measure of things. And uh Toronto's uh Toronto's points per game is good enough to get them into the playoffs in the West. Uh see I think just barely. They might be in fifth, if I'm right. They would probably yeah, they would be in fifth and Dallas would be in sixth. The Galaxy The Galaxy would be bumped. Sorry, DC United obviously would be in the in the playoffs. So you'd have Seattle. You know, if you did this, DC United would be good enough. Maybe Toronto would be good enough. But that's it. Be really close. Steven on Twitter, as long as Winalda stays clear of the Atlanta franchise, they'll be all right. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, why are we against Eric Winalda being a part of the Atlanta team? Why are we against Eric Winalda as an MLS coach? I say give the man his chance. Does he know? Soccer? Absolutely he does. Does he know MLS? Sure, of course he does. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Eric on this. Why is it necessary for a guy who knows the league, knows soccer, has a reputation, has had success before as a coach? Let's not forget that Cal FC beat an MLS squad in the U.S. Open Cup. And let's not forget that Eric Winona did help turn around the Atlanta Silverbacks. I'm going to go with this. Why, why does he need to prove himself as an assistant before he gets a head coaching job? We've seen less qualified individuals get their chance to be head coaches in other leagues around the world. Jason Christ went directly from playing to head coach of Real Salt Lake. Why is Eric Quinaldo any different? Give the man a shot. Whether it's Atlanta Whatever. I mean, talk about a guy. Talk about a fixer. Talk about a guy you bring in. Your your season spiraling out of control. It looks like you might not make the playoffs. You got some serious concerns about your the motivation of your team. Who do you who do you call first? Okay, maybe I call Precky first, but then I call Eric Winolda. Okay, Madison, you're right. It was a train wreck in, in Atlanta. He did use Skype. To coach that team. But maybe I'm talking about his technical directorship hood thing. Whatever. Lions Roar on Twitter. European, European leagues and MLS are two opposite extremes. Europe fires good bosses just because they don't win a cup and MLS never fire anyone. That's exactly where we're at. In Europe, depending on the league, depending on the condition, depending on the club, you can be fired for losing the wrong game. You lost against the, the Crosstown rival, you're gone. Get out of here. We don't need you anymore. You can't even beat that team that we hate. In MLS, five-game losing streak, eight games without a win, nine games, ten, Uh, well, yeah, it's okay. No, it's good. You know, we got a lot of rope here. There's a playoff system. Ask Jay Heaps what it's like to lose eight games, keep your job and then take your team to the MLS Cup final. That's not happening. I mean, anything even comparable is not happening in Europe. You lose eight games in a row in Europe, you're probably gone. Now, is again, is that better? Is it better or worse? Then you have a then you have a league down in Mexico where they have a playoff system but because of the Apertura set setup, the seasons are so short and the chances to get in the playoffs you have such a, a, a small number of games to get points to get in the playoffs that they go through through uh, through coaches like tissue paper down there. The Ringo show on Twitter. Jurgen Klopp to Atlanta, might as well start the rumors. How much money How much money would it take to get Jurgen Klopp to go to Atlanta? Does that number exist, or is it an imaginary number? How many zeros? Like se- like 17 zeros? <laughs> Would it take all the Home Depot money in the world to get Jurgen Klopp to go co- coach Atlanta? And that's no slight on Atlanta or MLS, but we know where Jurgen Klopp's going to end up. We know where he wants to be. We know where the, the big high-profile leagues are, where the, the um, you know, where the trophies mean the most? We, we understand these things. Steven's got a good point as well when it comes to Winalda. Atlanta's not the place for him based on the history. Probably not. There was a quick burn. They, they burned out on Eric Winalda and vice versa pretty quickly there in Atlanta. 646-832-3909 or on Twitter, at Soccer Morning. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Yeah, judging. Look, I, I'll come back to Stephen's point about point points per game. It's impossible to judge MLS right now. I I have had to do the power rankings over the last couple of weeks for ESPN FC, and I'm sure people are just pissed at me, just absolutely pissed at me for for whatever I did wrong. Because I don't even know. It's subjective, first of all. It's power rankings. It's a it's it's a subjective look at who are the best teams in the league are, or the worst, whatever. How they rank, how they line up. And I don't, I don't have an in front of me, and I'm not going to pull it up because I don't think it's worth it. But I do have, I still have Seattle number one, even though they lost to San Jose this weekend. And they got the Timbers coming up, even though they don't have Dempsey and Martins right now. Because I don't see anybody who's challenging them yet. Who's there's some Who's right behind Seattle? The Vancouver Whitecaps? New England? D.C. United? L.A. might be coming on, like 5-1 against the Union's impressive enough, I guess, but they're not even close. They're in fifth place. They haven't played well most of the year. But this, So you go, okay, well, I'd use the standings to judge these teams. Oh, okay, well, here's your problem. D.C. United's played 18 games. New England's played 17 games. Orlando's played 16 games. Toronto's played 13 games. Montreal's played 12 games. Columbus has played 15 games. We can't line these things up. And even points per game, which, again, is my go-to because that's the only thing we got, even that's kind of misleading occasionally. Can't chalk up any of these games as wins. So Montreal is on 17 points in fifth place in the East. They've only played 12 matches. Okay, you go, okay, well, if they have six matches uh, that they haven't played uh, compared to D.C. United, then maybe they're, uh, uh, but who knows? Different points in the schedule different relative strength of schedule depending on where you are in your schedule. Crazy times. I wanted to touch on this before I go. I'll let you guys uh, call up 646-832-3909 if you'd like. But I'm going to hit on this from Tim Standard. Uh, This is at examiner.com, which I didn't even know was still a thing. But Tim's got three ideas for improving Copa America. And while Copa America can be brilliant on an atmosphere level, and occasionally throw up a, a pretty in, a, intense, exciting game. There have been some duds in this tournament. The tournament overall has suffered from the quality. So uh, Tim's got some ideas. First, uh, first number one, no more freeloaders. This is basically kick out everybody who's not a Comma member. The Copa America literally has team to make up the numbers to bring a confederation to, of just 10 teams up to 12. This year, Jamaica and Mexico brought a bottle to the Copa America but left politely after the group stages were complete. Neither one of them put on much of a show. Certainly, Mexico underwhelmed. The trouble that this change would have, though, is that it leaves an awkward number of teams for a four-team group, team group ter- format. So he's saying, look, you can't have... The reason you, know, you bring in two teams is to make up for, to make up for the numbers so you have a three groups of four. What well, Tim suggests in his next point, number two, is that you get rid of two teams from Common Bowl to make for two, uh, two four-team groups. What is needed is a mini cull beforehand. The best eight teams in South America should be there, not all ten. pre Pre-qualifying in an already cluttered calendar would not even be required. Instead, the last two teams in the league table of the most recent Common Bowl World Cup qualifying group should have their invitations politely withdrawn. uh, Paraguay and Bolivia would be missing out for this tournament. Harsh, but necessary. And when you do that, you trim this down to two groups of four, you get rid of that third-place qualifier. You make it necessary to finish in the top two positions in order to advance because too many times teams are advancing with one win. No more third-place fillers, no quarterfinals. The two best of the two groups would pass straight through to the semifinals, to reduce the number of games to five in the whole competition for the potential winners and runners-up. The Copa America could then be slimmed down to an intense two weeks of football to reduce the demands on the overloaded Messi and to ensure that every single game actually matters. I could see this working, actually. I don't know that they do it. I think it uh, means less money into the system, but it's pretty interesting. We could do with a mini Copa America. Not mini, necessarily, but just a smaller... Leaner meaner Copa America. There we go. I'll leave uh, with uh, Vincent in Toronto, who's gonna just punt us out of here. Arthur Blank would have to write Klopp and um, blank check. There you go. There you go. Uh Bill on Twitter, why not have two groups of five? Well, that's because you mean like you end up with a team sitting out everywhere. Every, you want everybody playing. You need uh you need to have uh, everybody playing the, the in a round you can't have a team sitting out it extends the, the length of the tournament dramatically bill can't do that all right let's take uh, let's take it out of here thank you very much for listening to soccer morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com thank you to Jeff Kasu for his insight if you've got serious XMFC make sure you check us out over there some excellent guests I think we're gonna line up Michelle Akers on that show so check us out on channel 94 see you then